I'm adjusting to the new microphone, trying to figure out where the buttons are without looking at them. And tend, it is my goal to put a little bit of teaching in with the preaching this morning. I don't know if you notice it, but I do that. I try to at least. But I want to tell you, uh, about yesterday was a beautiful day yesterday. Last night, uh, I got to be with Juliana and with Joshua Figueroa. And they were baptized into Christ Jesus last night. It was a beautiful thing. Every, every time I witness that, every time I get to be any part of that, it reminds me again. It reminds me again about how good God is. Reminds me again about his promises. It reminds me again about my commitment to him also. It's the day I made a commitment to him. You will be my Lord. The focus is not on us. Jesus kind of cleared that up for us in uh, Luke chapter 9. Why don't y'all turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. So I know we're studying from the book of James, but with the events of last night, I've decided we're going to uh, Take a little bit of a diversion from there because I think it's important. I know it's important because it's biblical. Luke 9:23. If anyone wants to come after me, he must take up him take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to benefit from who I am, then this requires you to put you aside. He says this so many different ways in so many different times. Uh, If anyone wants to save his life, he'll lose it. But if you'll give up yourself, your life for me and for the gospel, you'll save it. But specifically, 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 here's the point here in Luke. Deny yourself. I don't preach about baptism all the time. I don't even talk about baptism all the time. Uh Uh-oh, see, there's one thing I haven't. Let me fasten that back up. I talk about Jesus all the time, but there must be a purpose for baptism. Whatever purpose for baptism there is, God gives it. And it's very interesting. If you'll read your New Testament, the letters that Paul writes to the churches in chapter 1 of just about every one of those letters, ever the ones he writes, in chapter 1, guess what he goes over with the church? Before he gets to the stuff that they need to remember to do, that they need to quit doing, and that they better start doing. Before he gets to that, 
Guess what he talks about? He talks about their baptism. Now why on earth would he do that? Why on earth would he do that? Why would he talk about their entrance into Christ Jesus? I'm convinced he doesn't tell me why he does it. I just have to look at the fact that he does it and then what he does with that. I'm convinced it's part of what I went through yesterday. That's part of it. He wants them to remember where they are and whose they are. You are not your own, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. The blood of Jesus was the purchase price. You purchased men from, from all, all people, from all tribes, language, nations, and people. Revelation chapter 5. You purchased men with your blood for God. Acts chapter 27. The church is those who are purchased by God through the blood. What has baptism got to do with that? Baptism is the when for us. It's when it comes to be. You don't need a win. You most certainly do too need a win. If you didn't need a win, God wouldn't have given you a win. And he does too give you a win. I don't have to go down to the courthouse, Callahan County, pull up a marriage license to know if I'm married. I've not done that yet. You know why? I had a ceremony. I had this thing called a wedding. A wedding and a marriage are two different things, are they not? I tell people if they ask me to do their wedding, I tell them two things. Number one, you got to talk to me. We got to talk about this. And number two, you have to write yourself a letter. I encouraged, I encouraged Juliana and Joshua yesterday, write yourself a letter today. Tell yourself what happened today. Now, the Bible does not tell me to do that, but Paul keeps bringing it up all the time in order for Christians, so I think it's something we're supposed to remember. What do I tell people I'm going to do their wedding? What do I tell them to put in that letter? You tell me what's happening today. Who is this person you're saying I do and me too with? Do you love them? Where is God in this whole deal? Are you trusting God to help you love them, help you respect them? Is God a part of this? Do you love them? Why are you marrying them? Are you giving your life to them? You write this down. Why? Because 20 years from now, when y'all are fussing and fighting about some carpet you bought or house you didn't buy or whatever else happens, I don't care. But I have sat and listened, not to people that I've ever done their wedding, because if I have this conversation with people I've done their wedding, I go to my files, I pull out a copy of that letter they wrote. And because I have sat and talked with people who said that have been married 20, 25 years. I don't know if I ever loved her. I don't think I ever loved him. Excuse me just a minute. If I did your ceremony, I'm going to go pull out the letter and say, that's funny. Who wrote this? We just forget, don't we? We just forget. I think you're supposed to go to weddings 
and remember your vows and your covenant commitment. I think you're supposed to witness a baptism and think about your surrender. I know you're supposed to remember God's promises. I think you're supposed to remember your, your surrender. I don't know if, if Juliana gets around to writing herself a letter. I hope she does. Did you write your letter? She did. She's already grinning about it. Well, I don't know what all she put in that letter. And I, told, I asked her yesterday, her permission, could I talk about this? Because it could encourage people. When she came up out of that water, she looked straight at me and she said, I feel so clean. I said, honey, that's because you are. You are. And that's not my emotions. That's what the book says. That's what, that's what happened to Saul of Tarsus. When, it, when he's already been praying, he's already been fasting for three days, he's already met the Lord Jesus Christ in person, he, he's completely repentant and surrendering self to God, he's been blinded, he's been humbled, he's been led uh, by the hand to the place God told him to go and went and talked to the preacher Ananias God told him to talk to, and then Sinai said, what on are you waiting for? Why tarriest thou? Arise, right now is the wind. Arise and be baptized and get clean. Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That is as simple and as clear and as beautiful as you can make it. I'm going to draw you a little picture here. I'm going to use words to start with. Come over here to Luke chapter 13. These will be clear. What I scribble on the board may not be clear. Luke chapter 13. I'll give you time to get over there. It's fairly important. While you're waiting to get over there, while I'm stalling for you to get over there, I just want to commend all of this yesterday. I was thanking God for Joshua and for Juliana, for their parents who have taught them that God's word is true and God's love is important. And you should listen to that and you should care about it. That is a precious and powerful thing. There is not anybody on this planet who comes to Christ Jesus. There's not anybody on this planet who comes to Christ Jesus by their self. That's an impossibility. This has to be by your faith in God's power to raise the dead, Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. What baptism is, is Jesus is doing surgery. Not surgery you see with your hands. He is cutting off and removing your sinful self. Just as the priest used to cut off and remove the foreskin of the Jewish male children. The circumcision that's cutting away. He said, your baptism is your faith. In God's power to raise the dead. And Christ is removing your sinful self from you. Nobody comes to that on their own. Paul told Timothy, I, re I remember your faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. 
God expects us to, to relay to our children and our grandchildren that God Almighty is faithful and he keeps his promises. You don't come to Christ Jesus by yourself. Luke chapter 13. It's right after chapter 12. If you had trouble finding it, are y'all there yet? Let's come down to very little number, 22. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and the villages teaching as he's made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And then he said to them, no, there's no then in my Bible. It just says he said to them, Make every effort, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, many will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and he closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, Open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and those who are first who will be last. They're talking about salvation. And the scriptures describes this in many different ways. It's an illustration. God makes his point over and over and over. I think there's an example for everybody. But we're talking here about God's salvation. Are only a few people going to be saved? I'm drawing a circle. You could draw a square. In fact, I meant to draw a square. I forgot. I meant to draw a square. I'm going to because of the illustration that he uses here. I'm drawing a square because when Deborah and I used to go to Ghana, West Africa and preach the gospel and share it, when we went to the northern region in the villages, the villages like Jesus was going to, this was the setup. Every village we went to, if we stayed there, if we made a base camp there for a duty, this was the setup. And this was called a guest house and it was the best they had for a hotel okay so all the way around all this was rooms and a lot of those people lived like this anyway but you had you might have grandma and grandpa live here aunt and uncle live here a mom and dad live here their oldest children all of the, all of the rooms in this this whole thing was considered a house and what this house had this is a wall or a gate. Sometimes there was kind of two of them, but that wasn't my point. In this house, in this house, you have protection of whoever owns it. 
You're protected from the elements, from, from outside, from enemies, all these things. Jesus just said in Luke 13, there's a door right here. There's a door. And that door is the way in. And it's narrow. It's narrow because it's God's terms and it's, it's, it's on God's terms and it's God's door. John chapter 10, he'd say, if you want to make all this a sheep pen and this is the way to get in, he said, I'm the gate. I'm the way in. And ain't nobody coming into here and messing with my sheep unless they come across me. And you're not getting into where I am unless you come through me. And he just said in regard to salvation, there's not been any other way you're getting in here. My point with this morning's lesson is this right here is baptism. I didn't make that up. I don't feel that. That's not a dream, a vision, or inner voice. That's Romans chapter 6, 3 through 7. Or don't you know all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, baptized into Christ Jesus. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a brand new life. Not a life out here on the outside. You got all kinds of things out here on the outside. You got all kinds of people out here on the outside. This is what you got. This is what you got on your own. The outside, this is just sin and condemnation. Inside, you've got salvation. You've got belonging. Jesus said there's going to be all kinds of people standing out here. They're going to come in. They're going to come in their own way. They're going to come in over here. Well, I'm really sweet. I'm really nice. I go to church three times a week. I'm a generous person. I'm a good person. That ain't the door. Christianity is not a contest to see who can be the most like Jesus. If that's what you think, I'm not sorry, but you're wrong. That's not salvation or redemption. Salvation and redemption are God's plan. And what opens this door right here, if you can see it, is the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Baptism is your entrance from the scripture. That is your entrance into here. It's not you can put a gun on somebody and immerse them in water. That doesn't mean a cotton-picking thing. This is your faith in God's power to raise the dead. This is your participation in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been clothed with Christ. This is the when God clothes you with Christ to bring you in to his salvation, to bring you in to his kingdom. This salvation is where Jesus is king big time. He has all the authority. He provides all the protection. He has all the provision. And out here, you just got people making excuses. Jesus said, there's coming a die, there's comes a time when this door gets shut. It's just an illustration, brothers and sisters. But let's don't be silly about the illustration. He said, there comes a dime when the door's shut. Who shut it is the one with the authority. There could, that right now, this is an open book test. When Jesus gets back, the book's shut. That's it. That's all the chances we had. 
For you as an individual, your book will shut at some point. Until your until your book shuts, you put your birthday, you put a dash mark, and you put the day that your soul and body are separated up there. Now, unless you know what that day is, and the truth is you do not, it's none of your business or God would have told you. You don't know what this expiration date is. But when that day comes, the book is shut, the door is shut. And right now, what we've all got a chance is to come through the door where the blood is and come through the blood into what God has given us, this house where we're provided and we're protected. And, and people, I am sorry that people have perverted and misrepresented and misunderstood baptism. I think that's why your New Testament's full of it. God cannot be manipulated You can't manipulate God. Oh, I got him. I got him. No, you don't get God. He's the, it's hit. Everybody take just a second. Everybody go. Take a breath. Not even a deep breath, just a breath. Now you're in debt to God. Because that was not your oxygen you just breathed in. It's God's oxygen. Well, my grandpa and my aunt, I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned with your grandpa or your aunt because that's not their air. You just breathed in. It was God's air. And that puts everybody in God's debt. That's physically. God is offering us a chance here spiritually not to do enough good. You can't do enough good to enter God's salvation. You can't accomplish enough. You're better. I don't care if you're better than every Christian. If your morality is better than every Christian on the planet, I don't care and neither does God. That doesn't get you in here. You get in here through the blood, through the door. There's just one door. There's just one gate. There's just one blood. Just one God, just one Father, just one hope, just one baptism well there's two in the book there's the one Jesus had and then there's the Christian baptism that's true Jesus didn't have Christian baptism he had a Jewish baptism that was that was instigated by God through the Jewish prophet John the Baptist Jesus' cousin doesn't have anything to do with Christianity nothing that's just repent all this is getting ready to happen The apostles in Acts 2, by the authority of the king, they give you Christian baptism. Baptism into Christ Jesus. Baptism, Galatians 3, 26 and 7, where you become a child. The point of son is inheritance, not the male aspect. Man or woman, you become a child, a covenant-related child of God. Everybody on this planet is God's child in the regard that he made them and they were made in his image. That's physically, spiritually in some regard, emotionally, somehow. That's not covenant. What we're talking about here is covenant. This is to become a covenant-related child of God. This is to come into God's covenant, the covenant of the, the covenant he made in the blood of his son, Matthew 26, Luke 22. The other element of this, why make a point of how you get in here? 
We're already in here, preacher. Good. Don't forget how you got in here. You didn't get in here because you did good works. Baptism's not a good work. It's surrender. It's just God's terms. This is God's salvation. He'll give it to anybody he wants to give it to, and all devils in hell won't do anything about it. Ain't nobody going to change this. This is God's redemption, God's salvation on God's terms, not yours and not mine. No, that's fact. That's just the truth. I'm not being ugly at all. I'm being emphatic. Why? Because you're likely not to call me at 2 o'clock in the morning when you have this argument in your own mind. Hopefully you can remember some of this. That's why God wrote it down. Not just this is how I get in here. I got to remember how I got in here or else I'm going to be like somebody. Well, Lord, you know, I did. I, why would I come in here where I have salvation and I have redemption and then be looking for a way to get back out here where I was lost? Lord, I want to go back out here when I used to be a wretch. Where I used to be condemned. Where I used to be literally walking and talking in death. This out here, even though you're still breathing God's air, brothers and sisters, this is not life. This is life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10. They didn't come so people could breathe in and out and pay social security. They're already doing that before he got here. He didn't come so you could work hard and mind your mama. People were doing that before he got here. He, got, he came here so people could have eternal life now. Eternal life is now. Also, it will be in heaven, but it is life from God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If anyone is in Christ Jesus... When he was baptized into Christ Jesus, he has become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It doesn't say something else. It says that. You can put these verses up here if you're interested that I've referred to. Romans 3, 7. Galatians 3, 26, 27. And then you got to add 4 6 on there. Uh, I didn't even mention Acts 2 38, 39. You crucified the Son of God. What on earth are we going to do? Peter said, Let me tell you. Let me tell you, because God said he kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you exactly what the king's terms are. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name means upon the authority of the king. In the name of Jesus Christ. And you will too receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Not something else that. Two things happened yesterday for Joshua and for Juliana. Their sins were washed away. In the blood, not just the water, in the blood. Because they became children, because you are sons, Galatians 4, 6, God has put the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba. That's what a little bitty, little bitty Hebrew toddler says when his daddy gets home from work. Abba. 
Abba. Because you became a son, God put the spirit of his son into your hearts. We ought to quit apologizing for it start believing it. That's not the ability to do miracles. That means God owns you. And God lives in you. His love now abides in your heart so you can pour it out on others. Even your enemies. That's what God loves does. For when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of him. We could talk about this all day. I can't exhaust this. I don't mean to be exhausting. I just mean to take opportunity because of what I witnessed yesterday and those, those preciously strong young men and beautiful young women. It's not about them. If you hadn't given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you hadn't come to God on God's terms, I'm begging you to consider that. You don't have to do it right now. You don't have to do it in the next five minutes. You just have to do it before the end of your dash mark gets here. I would suggest you do it as soon as possible. But make it the least about you as you can because it's not about you. You are involved. You are not the source. You are not the cause. The cause of your salvation is not you. God has a lot of good works that he's prepared in advance, Ephesians 2.10. He has a lot of good works in this life that he's given us, in this salvation that he's brought us to, in this redemption that he has provided for us, in this protection, in this, in this kingdom. He has a lot of good works for us to do. That's not how you got in here. That's just what you do now that God lives in you by his spirit. So if you're waiting until you do enough good stuff, you doing a good stuff is not a crack in the wall, much less the door. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the door. The way God's term for you to enter, God's terms for you to enter Jesus Christ is to believe that Jesus is the son of God. That he alone is God in the flesh came here to save you. That his blood can too cleanse you. That God raised him from the dead on the third day. And if he's got that power, he can give you a brand new life. All of that's from the book. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Father, for being patient with us. Be patient with me, Father. I've been a Christian a long time, and I'm still trying to remind myself and renew, renew my commitment to him and remind myself of what you have said that you have done for me in Christ Jesus. And I pray that for each one of us, Father. There's not a person in here that you are not working all the things in their life, all the people in their life working the truth of your word you're trying to draw us all father to yourself through jesus and we can stand outside and talk about the weather and ourselves until we die it won't accomplish us anything we can examine the evidence and draw the conclusion that jesus is exactly who he has and you have father declared him to be And we can have, Father, what you're offering us through him. Please, Father, please bless our considerations of these things this morning. Forgive me if I've been too bold or spoken too quickly. 
But you won't quit with this message, Father. I won't quit trying to share it, and you won't quit proclaiming it. It is the only message that there is. It is the thing that matters. We're not trying to get to some some level of accomplishment and understanding. We're just trying to be people who put our faith in you. Bless us, Father. Please bless us with the courage to commit ourselves to Christ in baptism and to remember that that is exactly what we have done. We have surrendered all to you in him. That we will go forth with whatever you have for us to do. Father, we will go forth remembering that he brought us to you. Keep us, Father. Keep us and bless us in Christ Jesus. Guide us in this way. Put people and events and truth before us, Father, on a daily basis. So we remember this. Or so we can consider, Father, the truthfulness that is there for us. Bless us in any way that will bring you glory, Father, is our earnest prayer. We've prayed it through him who intercedes for us, Christ Jesus. Amen. I know this, that I wish you would consider that God cannot love you more than he does. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a demonstration of God and you'll never see his love and you will never see a greater one. The reality is, is Jesus has been exalted to be king. And he reigns and rules over all dominions, power, and authority. There's nothing, nothing greater or more powerful than Jesus Christ. Nothing. Christ can't be more powerful than he is, and God can't give you more love than he's already shown. You don't have to, and I don't expect you to respond to that this instant. I'm just asking you to consider it. We do not, I do not, and the Bible does not educate you to manipulate people emotionally and and to urge them and rush them into some urgent decision that they don't carefully consider and contemplate. You ought to consider all this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'll tell you that ahead of time. The book does. Consider that. You take whatever time you need to consider. I'm just begging you to consider it. Should by some chance you have been in consideration of that and, and you need our help, we'll pray for you to understand this. We'll, we'll take your hand and we'll walk with you through this. You can call me up anytime you want to, night or day. I'll explain any aspect or facet of it that you want in terms that you can understand.